This is our journey to Easter. This is actually the second part in this series, although it's starting our third week on this journey to Easter. And last week I talked about the love of God. If you missed that, I want to encourage you to, uh, to go back and listen to it. It's on Facebook, YouTube, our website, uh, several different locations. Uh, the reason I would encourage you to go back, because that's a starting point. How many of you know when you're on a journey, you've got to have a starting point, and it matters where you start, and, and we really focused on the love of God because it's something all of us pretty much know in our head, oh yeah, or you wouldn't even be here, right? Yeah, God loves me, but is it something that I really understand deep in my spirit that even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, how many of you know when you go through that, it's really easy to question, wow, God, do you really love me? And so uh, uh, there was a lot of stuff we talked about last week, so I encourage you, go back and check it out. Today we're going to be talking about the power of Jesus. How many of you are thankful that we serve a God that's got power? Amen? Amen. And and the first thing that I want to point out in your notes, it's a fill-in, when you surrender to Jesus, you release the power of Jesus to begin to work uh, in you, and how many of you know also through you? Right? God wants to do something on the inside of us, but he wants to do something uh, through us that not only affects our family, uh, our neighbors, our co-workers, but I believe our community uh, around the world. Uh, God wants to do mighty things through us. There is no limit to the power of God working through a person. Amen? There's nothing that can stop that. So I'm going to get right in. In Matthew 16, there is a conversation that's going on uh, between Jesus and his disciples. And, and Jesus asked them this question, who do people say that I am? And uh, obviously there's several responses that come back that were the wrong answer. How many of you hate giving the wrong answer when people ask, right? You don't want to raise your hand anymore. Back in school, it's like, I'm not raising my hand unless I know 100%, right? Of course, then there were other kids that raised their hand. They didn't care if they were wrong or not, right? They're going to give an answer either way. (laughs) But some of the disciples gave the wrong answer. But Peter, he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And that was the right answer, right? And Jesus affirmed him in that. And he says, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. And Jesus, then he goes on to say, based on that statement that he is the Messiah, he goes, I am going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen? Amen. And then, and then, but then Jesus didn't stop there. He goes on to tell them how he's going to die, that, that he's about to be killed, uh, but don't worry, I'll be raised from the dead. And at that point, Peter, the one that gave the correct answer, all of a sudden said something wrong about how Jesus was going to die. He argues like, surely not, Lord. This isn't going to happen. Basically, Peter rebukes Jesus. Anybody feeling lucky enough to do that? (laughs) So he rebukes him. And then, uh, you know, if you rebuke God, then uh, I don't want to be on the receiving end of that after that, right? Jesus uh, basically corrected him. And uh, and then he goes on to say in Matthew uh, 16, 24, he says to his disciples, if any of you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way, or some versions say, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Now, before we get into that, how many of you know that God is not a God of formulas? Like, follow A, B, C, D, and you know, like, if you're going to be healed, if you read all the ways Jesus healed, how many of you know, uh, rarely did he ever do it the same way? 
right? Uh, if, if he did do formulas, if he says this is the way for people to be healed, and, and he stopped on the formula of spitting in the mud or dirt and making mud and putting it on their eyes, how many of you know every church would have a little pile of dirt, right? Come on up for prayer, guys. <sighs> I'm ready to pray for you, right? How many of you say, thank you, God, that you don't have to heal that way? Right? So God doesn't do formulas. However, in this verse, there really is a formula. And it starts with a question. He goes, if you want to be my follower. So we have to answer that question. So if, if our answer is, no, I don't want to be uh, his follower, then you don't even have to read the rest. Right? You, don't, you know, just close it up and, and take off, right? But he says, if you want to be my follower... If the answer is yes, he tells them three things. You must give up your own way, right, or deny yourself, take up your cross, and then actually follow me. So that process is there that we have to. What does that mean to deny yourself? <laughs> it basically means to give up the way we think it should be done. Because Peter had an idea. He knew that Jesus was the Messiah. God revealed that to him. Uh, but he had an idea of how that was supposed to look. You see, it was very common knowledge for the Jewish people in those days to think that the Messiah, he's going to come, he's going to reestablish the kingdom of David, uh, we're going to kick the Romans out of there, we're not going to live in oppression anymore, and we're going to have like this great kingdom again. We're going to have freedom. So that's what they thought it was supposed to work. But if you've got to give up your own way, your own that means sometimes the way we think things ought to work. Anybody ever been guilty of that? Okay, God, I'm praying for this. And then we kind of tell God how he's supposed to answer that prayer. Come on, we've all done that, right? God, this is how, God, I have a financial need, so I'm going to buy this lottery ticket. And Lord, you've got to give me the answer. Give me the numbers, right? It's never, well, I don't buy lottery tickets, but if I would have done it, it's never worked for me. So we don't even do that. But uh, the thing is that the Bible says this in uh, uh, Proverbs that there is a way that seems right unto a man, but in the end it does what? Leads to death, right? So if you live your life by what seems right, uh, you're not going to end up in a good place. But if we want to follow him, there's going to be times that God calls us to do things that don't seem right. Right? Like, God, does that really make sense? That doesn't really make sense. I don't really understand that. Uh, but if I do then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to lay that down and begin to follow him. Now, here's the thing. Here's a verse. I want to share a verse that uh, if you've been a follower of Christ for a while, you've probably proclaimed this verse over your life. It's out of Jeremiah 29, 11. Wonderful verse. Great one to memorize. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. How many of you say, amen, I'm claiming that verse over my life, right? I love that. That's a great verse. There's, there's nothing wrong with claiming that. Uh, here's the, the, the problem in that is that you and I are flawed people, right? We have inherited, when we were born, a sin nature goes all the way back to the garden, and uh, sometimes our sin nature, our flawed uh, uh, who we are hinders the plans of God for our life. 
Am I right? Sometimes we, we push back against God's plan for our life because of the life that we choose to live. So the reality is we're kind of like a, a, a radio. The, you know, if you get a factory, a brand new car right off the lot, uh, how many of you know the radio's got a default setting? Right? The bass is set at default, the tuning, all the radio stations. How many of you know you have to program your own radio stations in? It doesn't come pre-programmed for, uh, for all of that. Uh, and what happens is that you and I have inherited a default setting in our life. That's that sin nature, right? And, and I love, you know, our, our kids are obviously grown. If you've seen our little grandkids running around, I'm reminded of our default setting when we're born. How many of you know we are not born generous and thinking of others? We're born very selfish. Right? We think about me, myself, and I. That is our sin nature. That's our default setting. And let me just say, uh, as we get older, sometimes uh, we go back to that default setting. Right? And we appealed, you know, commercials appealed to us. Have things your way at, what restaurant was that? Thank you. I'm like, like, which one was that? I don't even go to Burger King anymore. But anyway, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we keep going back to these default settings, and what happens, we need to allow God the Creator, so we got a little finger right here. How many of you know God is the only one that can program us in the right way? He's the only one that can change those default settings in us so that we begin to walk after Him. But in order to do that, we have to be willing to allow Him. We have to be, we can't fight against what God is doing in our lives. So we have to deny ourselves, pick up that cross, and as we do, we're releasing the power of Christ to begin to change those default settings, right? So that we're not so selfish, so we're not so self-absorbed, so we're not, you know, maybe controlled by anger or whatever the thing is. Uh, I don't know, this may be a newsflash to you, but how many of you know nobody is born the best version of themselves? right? Nobody is born that way. I'm sorry, it's just not. Nobody automatically just becomes that best version, just like this radio can't set its own uh, uh, base and all of that. It takes somebody from the outside to begin to change that. We need Jesus to hear how off-tune we are and to begin to adjust us, to begin to bring those changes. We need the power of God working. And listen, this is part of our journey, not just to Easter, but to Jesus, to God. It is that, like I said last week, we have to really grab hold of and understand what the love of God is in us. And, and, and then secondly, then we've got to allow him to make those adjustments. Because if you miss that first part, if you miss the love of God, then it's like when God begins to change the default settings, how many of you know that doesn't always feel good? All right? You don't like it. You kick against it. And we're like crying and screaming the whole way. But if you know that God loves you, it's like, okay, God, I can embrace this. I don't like it, but I'm going to go through it. Now, here's the thing. Jesus spent so much time with his disciples. He had those moments with him. And it was those moments that he taught them how to deny themselves. Uh, like I said, Peter had the wrong idea of what the Messiah was going to do. He had to lay that down. He had to deny what he thought the Messiah was supposed to do in order to embrace who Jesus really was. This is what he came to do. And, and I love how Jesus said this in this verse. He says, you need to pick up your cross. How many of you know we don't have to carry Jesus' cross? 
All right, how many of you are glad you don't got to go to the go to the cross, get literally crucified, you know, beaten, and all of that? That was Jesus that did that. Each of our crosses. Listen, if you look across this room and on the on watching online, everybody's cross is different. Every one of us have different areas in our life that need to be tweaked. And, and one thing that we can be guilty of as people is whatever God is trying to uh, do a work in our life, how many of you know we like to force that on other people? Here's the feeling. We can be guilty of forcing our cross onto somebody else. Like, oh, you know what? God, God's working in this area of my life. Oh, you got to do the same thing. Right, you got to do the same thing. Uh, let me tell you, the things that God is calling us to die to, uh, they look different in everybody's life because we all struggle in different areas. And uh, well, so what does our cross look like? It is anything that uh, kills the things on the inside of us that prevent us from being God's best. Does that make sense? Our cross is anything. Whatever it is that we struggle with that hinders us from being what God wants us to be, that's what our cross is. Listen, if you struggle with some kind of addiction, guess what? That's, your, that's, your, that's, that's part of your cross. If you struggle with anger, if you struggle with uh, uh, unforgiveness, guess what? All of those things, if you struggle with pride... Man, that's a heavy cross to carry right there, right? It's the things that need to die in us. Uh, and, and like I said, it's not the same things. The things that I struggle with, you may not. You may not, right? It's all different right there. Can I give you an example of it? In the Bible, there's a, a rich, young ruler. How many of you guys would like to identify with that? Rich, young, and a ruler, right? He's got three things working for him. He came to Jesus, and he asked, how do I get into heaven? And so Jesus responded. He began to rattle off a few of the commandments. You know, love the Lord your God, uh, all these things. And the, and the young ruler says, oh, that's easy. I've done that since I was a kid. Now, how many of you know he was probably lying right there? Right? I've never broken any of the commandments since I'm a kid. Uh, I would have been tempted to call him down on that and say, really? Really? You've obeyed all of them all the time, but, you know, Jesus... Uh, Jesus is better than I am. He's not going to call him down on that. Uh, but Jesus did identify a default setting in him that was preventing him from becoming all that God wanted him to be. And so Jesus simply tells him, looks at the man, looks at him, and he felt genuine love. And I think this is so important to realize. Jesus was not just being mean to him. He saw something that was really hindering him, and uh, he had genuine love for him. And he goes on to tell him, there's still one thing that you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven, then come and follow me. Wow. Everything? <laughs> like everything? Like do I live in a box or do I got to give the box away also? right? Everything. Here's the thing. This rich young ruler, his cross was his pride and his love of money, yeah. right? Oh, I've done all of that. I've done everything. And that love of money, it needed to die. And aren't you thankful you don't have to carry his cross, right? Uh, unless God tells you to do it, right? I mean, if God tells you to do it, you better do it, right? There's a reason he's going to tell you, though, not just because uh, God's not like, oh, I need your money, 
No, that's not what it's about. As a matter of fact, you realize God implemented something to help you and I to die to our love of money. Anybody, any idea what that's called? Yeah, I heard somebody say it back there. You're right. It's our tithe, right? And it's like that's such a struggle for so many uh, 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 people. I mean, we struggled with it when we first, uh, you know, living together or married. Sorry. <laughs> we never lived together before we were married. I'm just putting that out there. Uh, when, we, when our daughter was young, we struggled with that because money was tight. And so God was, ha- man, that's on the internet. That is online now. Somebody's going to clip a part of that out, and they're like, well, listen to that, Pastor, you know. Let me just say, we didn't do that, but we're still not perfect, all right? Anyway, wow. Am I turning red? (laughs) Here's a... I need a drink of coffee here. I don't even know how to recover from that. So... uh, (laughs) Let's move on, right? So uh, the struggle with the tide, here's the thing. If we struggle with that, a lot of times it might be a love of money, but not necessarily. Maybe it's just a lack of trust that God can actually provide, right? We didn't have a love of money, but we struggled. Okay, God, if we do this, are, are you really going to provide? And, uh, and it was a scary thing, but I'm, and I'm just saying this. Just because you do tithe, how many of you know that doesn't mean you don't still have a love of money? All right, there's a lot of people that take very, a lot of pride in the fact that they give on a regular basis, right? Uh, how many of you know one of the things that Jesus got onto the Pharisees about is that they did do, they did tithe. I mean, he commended them on it, but they were very proudful of it. So don't think that just because I do give uh, that I have a love of money. Uh, it, who knows what the situation is? So uh, here's the thing. This guy, this, uh, fair, or this rich young ruler... I'm guarantee he probably tithed. And Jesus came up to him and, and realized that he probably he took pride in the fact that he was following the law. He followed the commandments. So God says, oh, okay, well, you like this. Don't just give the tithe. I want you to give it all. I want you to give everything. And, and he could have argued, wait, 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 God, that's not the deal. You said 10%. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, but the reality is if money has a grip on you, how many of you know we got to do what we can to get it off, right? I, I, I've always heard it said it's okay to have possessions as long as your possessions don't have you, right? So this rich young ruler, he may have agree, uh, agreed, uh, oh yeah, I've done that. I've given my 10%, uh, but you know what? He hadn't given everything. And I'm not just talking about his possessions. I'm talking about the thing that has gripped his heart. And so here's the, uh, uh, just saying it in a different way, the purpose of our cross is to kill the things that keep us from being God's best, keep us from being who God wants to. And, and look what he goes on to say, the rich man, he goes, at this, the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. He's like, I'm not picking up that cross. I'm not doing that, right? We have a choice with our cross, don't we? We have a choice. We can either uh, trust God, pick that up, and then what did he tell me? You would have treasures in heaven, right? Or we can lay it on the ground, and then we'll be stuck with the rest of our life, with our default settings, our struggles, never becoming all that God wants us to be. 
right? We've got a choice. And Jesus wasn't upset with him just because he had a lot of stuff. He recognized that there was a place in his heart that had control over him. And Jesus knew that if this man was to surrender that part of his life, if he would just do that, he's going to release the power of God to begin to really take him to different levels. Amen? So God created, God created him with that gift to make money. Let me just say, we've met over the years, there are some people that just have that gift of making money, right? And, and, and God was just, Jesus was trying to tweak that place in his heart to get him to grow and to move forward and have a real relationship with him, amen? amen. Can you imagine? Jesus told me, he goes, you're going to have treasures in heaven. If you'll do that, you're going to have stuff that will last for eternity. And, and, and this man, he enjoyed his riches because he was a young ruler, right? Maybe he enjoyed his riches on this earth for 60 or 70 years, right? Maybe a few years more, maybe a few years left. Uh, regardless, he's been dead for 2,000 years, right? And if he did happen to make it to heaven, guess what? He enjoyed his treasures while on earth, not in heaven. Where do you really want to have him, right? Now, now, what if this rich young ruler, think about this, if he would have done what Jesus said, if he would have gone back, liquidated everything, gave it all away, what would have happened to his life? And we don't know 100%, but I wonder if it would have been something like what happened to Abraham in the Old Testament when God told him to go and sacrifice his only son, the son through whom the promise uh, of uh, descendants, numerous, more numerous than the sands on the seashore, uh, what would have happened that what happened to Abraham is that his obedience God blessed him way more than just one son. The Bible says that God so told him that all nations are going to be blessed through you. That's happening today. Right? Because of the seed of Abraham through whom which Jesus came, all nations on this earth are being blessed right now. Anyone that receives him. And here's what I know about this rich young ruler. If he would have surrendered and did what Jesus asked, he would have had riches that would have lasted forever. Here's the thing that we need to understand is that for every cross, everything that we're called to do, lay down, there's got to be a crucifixion, right? But guess what? For every crucifixion, there's always a resurrection. God wants to raise us up. He wants to do a work in our life. So we've got to allow things to die if things are going to grow. If God's going to do something even greater in our life. He's telling us we've got to deny ourselves. We have to give up control. Don't give it to me. Oh, yeah, you guys are just trying to control me. No. Uh, we like to control our life. Isn't that right? I mean, I'm just being honest here. I like to be in the driver's seat. I like to make the decision. Sometimes we think, I know the best way. What's the saying? My way or the? Let me tell you, sometimes the highway is a better option, right? I know the decisions that I need to make. I'm, you know, I've been managing my finances. I've been managing my household. I can do this. I don't need God in that area of my life. Uh, a lot of times people live their life for the Lord. and It's like when things hit crisis level, that's when we need God. Oh, no, crisis, you know. Oh, God, I need you in this. Uh, but once you hop over that crisis, all of a sudden you're like, okay, I got it now. Thanks, God. Thanks for driving me through this rough patch, but I'll take the wheel back now and I'll finish driving. If I hit another rough patch, God, don't worry. I'm going to give you the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel then. Get me through it. Jesus, give me back the wheel. Come on. How many of you know that's kind of how things go? So let's be real. A lot of times, God will ask us to do things that don't make sense. Has anybody ever had that happen? 
Like, like, do what? Give away all my money? Like, are you kidding me, Lord? You know, I struggle with the 10%, let alone 100%. How about sacrificing your only son? And, and if you didn't know it, the Jewish faith, the, the Christian faith, we don't do human sacrifices. And here God is asking Abraham to sacrifice his son. Like, God, really? That doesn't make any sense. And in case you didn't know, God didn't allow that. He provided a sacrifice, right? I don't want to just leave that hanging there. Uh, here's another one that, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Queen Esther in the Old Testament, she was a, an exiled Jew in a foreign land. God picked her, rose her to the place where she became the queen, and uh, shortly after that happened, all of a sudden there was a decree that went out where like the next year they were going to kill all the Jewish people. And uh, she's probably thinking, okay, well, I don't know what's going to go on, but I'm, I'm the queen, so I'm in the house. Uh, her uncle, Mordecai, is like, listen, you got to go talk to the king about this. This is like, all of our people are going to die. And she's like, you don't understand. I can't just go to the king unless he summons me. If he doesn't summon me and I come in, I could be killed. So she's like, I'm not going, I'm not doing that. And so he, uh, he goes to him right here, uh, sends the notes back. He replies to her, don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you're going to escape when all the other Jews are killed. He says, if you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives, and he's talking about himself there as well, will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this? And that's a powerful verse right there, and we look back to that, but how many of you know that applies to us today? It's not by accident that you are alive at this time in history. It's not by accident that you're here uh, in El Dorado County or Sacramento County or wherever you may be driving from or whoever happened to be watching online. You are where you are. God has a purpose for you. And it's for such a time as this. There are people, there are situations you will encounter that, sorry, <laughs> that God wants to do in your life. I'm getting so choked up. I need some more coffee. God wants to do something in our lives, but it doesn't always make sense. And so she did approach, and God saved the Israelites. What about this one right here, Gideon? He was, uh, they were in occupied the, by the foreign armies. They were hiding. Uh, he was scared, but an angel came and appeared to him and tells him, because they were all in idol worship. Let me tell you, read the book of Judges. You're like, I don't know how Israel got out of that, right? Like it was only by the mercy of God. But the angel came and told him, pull down your father's altars to Baal, cut down the Asherah poles uh, standing beside it, which are like sex objects that are there. Uh, then build an altar to the Lord your God here on the hilltop sanctuary, laying the stones carefully. So he's telling him to do something. All of the people are worshiping idols right now. And that was a big deal for him to go and just tear that down. He didn't take a democratic vote on this. Like, hey, how many of you guys want to tear down the, pole, uh, the poles and this altar? Who would like to see an altar of the Lord? No vote. God says, go and do it, and then check it out. So Gideon took ten of his servants, and he did as the Lord commanded. Right? He was obedient, right? He surrendered, but then check it out. But he did it when? At night. At night. Why? Because he was afraid of the other members of his father's household and the people of his town. Let me just say, 
There's times that God may call you to do something. It may be scary. You may be full of fear. You may be full of doubt. But if you do it anyway, how many of you know God will still bless you? You know, I know I can share, keep sharing about the time my wife and I were still married. Let me just throw that in there. And we did. We started tithing. And, and our daughter was only a few months old. We had just enough money to uh, uh, basically, because I was in the military, to buy formula, buy the diapers, and then like we were strapped until the next paycheck. That was it. And, and boy, we both got challenged in an aspect that next week we're both kind of holding the check. You know, okay, God, right? How many of you know? It's shaking right there, right? All right, God, we're going to trust you because we need you to provide. But we were obedient. And listen, that obedience, that surrender, God poured out his blessing on us. It happens all the time. And so with Gideon, he was obedient. He did it at night. God didn't say what time to do it, did he? He just said to do it. He walked in obedience. And I believe because of that obedience, God brought deliverance to Israel. Why was he so afraid? Come on, what's the big deal? It's Israel. Well, here's the reason he was afraid, because that next morning when they woke up, all the people, like, where's our altar to Baal? Where's the Asherah pole? Where is it? And they found out, they made a search, they found out who it was, and they said, bring out your son, the men of town demanded of Joash. He must die for destroying the altar of Baal and for cutting down the Asherah poles. How many of you think he had good reason to be afraid? It was a test. God was testing him in that small area before he began to use him in even greater areas. And, and he passed. He surrendered, but he surrendered afraid. God's power was released. And like I said, deliverance came for Israel. So, so here's the thing. Our surrender to God releases the power of God to do for us what we are incapable to do on ourselves. It's that surrender that has to happen. God wants to do, God wants to bring deliverance in your life. How many of you know God, there's all these promises that are, that God offers in the Bible and we're like, you know, oh, well, I'm claiming all these promises, but, but it works when we learn to surrender to him, whatever that area is. Uh, God, I surrender. Okay, God, I'm going to give that to you. Lord, I don't know. I'm a little nervous. I'm scared, but I'm going to do it anyway. If you have to be obedient, even be obedient and afraid, right? Step out. Here's another thing that stood to me just real quick on Gideon. Uh, back up when the angel first started talking to him. It says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him while he's hiding, threshing wheat, right, where nobody will say to him. And he says, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. How many of you, that's a good word right there. How would you like the Lord to show up and tell you that? Look what Gideon's response is. Uh, Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. God, if you're really real, why did this happen in my life? How many of you know we still ask those questions? God, if, if you're really a miracle-working God, why did my loved one die? Right? Why, why are the people in Ukraine having to go through what they're going through? God, if you really love people, why do these horrible things happen even to children? Why, why is all of that? And, and my answer, I want to tell you, your ifs, our wives, and our wheres are all the wrong question for God. Because I've asked them before. Anybody else ever ask God any of those? Right? Yeah, did you get the same response I did? The crickets? Right? 
That's the wrong answer to ask. Listen, Gideon is asking, where's the miracles? You know, uh, why did you allow this to happen in my life? Why, why is all of that? And like I said, we do that today. Uh, the reality is that it's a matter of beginning to trust him. God, I don't have to predetermine how the outcome is supposed to be. Right? One of the things that I have realized is that God does not release his power in unsurrendered vessels. If we've not surrendered, okay, think about that. He's not going to, Peter didn't walk on water until what? He surrendered and got out of the boat. Jesus told him to come. Uh, in, in the Bible, there's the widow of Zarephath who, who only had a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil, and the nerve of Elijah the prophet came along and said, Hey, listen, bake me some bread. Make me something first. And she's like, hey, listen, I don't have, I promise you, all I got is a little bit left. I was going to make it for my son and I, and then we're going to die. And he says, what? Make me something first. And she did make it for him. And guess what? The Bible says that the oil never ran out, the flour never ran out, but she had to surrender to that first. And it's not necessary, you know, our surrender is like, okay, God, I don't have to determine how this is going to work out. When you're praying for somebody and, and, and they might get healed, even if they don't get healed, how many of you know part of our surrender is not based on whether what you predetermined is supposed to happen? Okay, God, if you didn't heal them, so you must not be real. No, I have to surrender my way, my thoughts, my way of expectations. The two reasons that we surrender to God is because, yes, I want the power of God in my life. Anybody say amen to that? But the main reason is that God wants all of you. He doesn't just want part of us. He, just doesn't, he doesn't want us to, to be half-hearted. Okay, God, you know what? Yeah, I'll, I'll serve you today, but you know what? Tomorrow's Monday, and you know how rough Mondays are, right? Anybody? Like, I don't know how things are going to go. You know, I'll surrender to you now in my quiet place before the Lord. But Lord, once I get on the road in traffic, all bets are off. Right? Somebody cuts me off. I'm, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do, right? Surrendering to him. Now, let me just say, Jesus was nearing the end of his earth, earthly ministry. He celebrated Passover, which uh, we celebrate this week as we get into that last week. And uh, he gives the disciples the, the wine and says, this is my blood. And then he heads to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he goes to the Father in prayer. And this prayer is very uh, revealing. Mark 14, 34 he says this. This is Jesus. Think about this. This is the Son of God. He's, he is uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And he says, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. And he tells his disciples, stay here with me. And I was reflecting on this this morning, early this morning, that uh, so many times you saw Jesus, he got up early, he went and he prayed, and he was alone. He didn't have anybody else around him. He just wanted him and his Father but this time, he wanted somebody with him. He wanted somebody to come along. He was feeling something because uh, he understood what was about to happen to him. He knew the beating that was going to take place. He knew that he was going to carry the sin of the world. The Bible says that he who knew no sin, he became sin. He didn't just pay for that price. And I don't know what, what all that looked like, but he became uh, not just the sin back then, but how many of you know our sin right now? He paid for that already, and he was feeling that weight. I can't even imagine what that was like. And he's having this honest conversation with the Father, and it basically is saying, Father, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, let's do that. 
right? How many of you would agree to that? If you knew what was coming, okay, God, uh, is, there, is there a plan B? Is there a plan C? Is there another way around that? And, and if you think about it, why did Jesus, as God, struggle in that? Why was he feeling that? And let me just say, we know that God became man. He was 100% God, but at the same time, he was 100% man. And the Bible clearly says that he laid aside his deity, his Godhead, to live life as a man. He was always God, but at that point he was living like a man, and he was feeling the weight of all of that upon him. And he's basically saying, Father, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know, uh, like I said, if there's another way. Uh, So Jesus is being very honest with the Father about the cross that he's about to have to bear. He's being very real with him. And here's the lesson we can learn out of it, is that God can handle your brutal honesty when he's asking you to pick up your cross. When he's asking you to do something that you know is not going to be comfortable, you have questions. How many of you know God is not afraid of your questions? Even if you're dealing with doubt, God's not afraid of that. I believe that Jesus modeled complete surrender. He, he said, Lord, if there's any other way, right? But God, it's not what I want, right? It's not what's going to make me feel good. Uh, it's not what's going to make me comfortable or what even seems right to me. He said, what did he say? We all know this. Not my will, but your will be done. You see, that's the point of ultimate surrender. God, not my will. Lord, I'm going through this situation. Maybe you're praying for a loved one, and you're like, I know God can heal this person, but God, not my will. I know that you can do whatever you want. And and we may say, I know it's not going to be easy. And, And let's just be honest. Sometimes it's very difficult. Am I right? Sometimes we have to fight our way to be obedient. We have to, Paul says, I discipline my body to be obedient. I make myself do the thing that my natural flesh doesn't want to do. Like, how many of you know forgiveness? Anybody ever struggle with forgiveness? Come on. Let's be honest. Put your hands up because we've all struggled with it, right? There's some real turkeys in this world that are really hard to forgive. Am I right? And uh, and it's like, uh, nobody just, I just feel like forgiving you. Oh, you punched me in the face. No problem. I forgive you right? Like, like, you cut me off in traffic, go on ahead, right? Have your, let me tell you, there are times we have to fight to be obedient. Like flesh, I want to get mad at this person. I don't want to forgive them, but I'm going to step back and God, I'm going to carry this cross and I'm going to walk in love. You got to fight your way through that. Sometimes God's going to ask us things. Like I said, it just doesn't make sense. But we've got to learn to surrender. I mean, think about the flip side of not surrendering. If we choose not to surrender, basically what we've convinced ourselves is, God, I know the right way. I know what you said to do, but God, I'm going to do it my way, right? My way is better than your way, God. Like, we wouldn't dare say that, right? I'm saying that only preaching. I'm not really saying that. But if we do that, listen, friends, we miss the power of God working in us. I honestly believe God wants to do more in us and through us than we even realize. How do we get there? It's the more and more that I learn to surrender to Him. Amen? So the first surrender that we need to make in our lives following after Him is that we've got to surrender our lives to Him. We've got to say, God, I I want to give you my life first. And I just want to give you that opportunity here today.
Can I have everybody stand? If you're here today and you say, you know what, if, if I were to die today, I don't know where I would spend eternity. Can I tell you, that's a serious thought that we have to all think about. But all the Bible says is that if we will believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, he says you will be saved. You don't have to join a church. You don't have to jump through this hoop or that hoop. It's a simple surrender of your life. So I want to give you that opportunity today. If you're here today, can I have everybody just bow your head? You'd say, you know what, I just want to surrender. Maybe you did it a long time ago, but you know you've been living an unsurrendered life to him. And you just say, oh, God, I want to make a fresh start to you, with you today. Can I just have you raise your hand? Just say, Pastor, pray for me. Amen. Amen. I see several hands. Thank you, Lord. Father, I want to go back to that message you put on my heart last week about your love. Father, you love us so much that you are willing to send Jesus. So, Lord, even as we come to you today, Lord God, in an act of surrender, Lord, our desire is that you would, you would come and you would make resonance in our heart. So if you raised your hand, let's, can you just repeat this prayer, everybody, but especially if you raised your hand, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die for my sin. And Lord, help me to surrender every aspect of my life to you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That simple act, if you believe it in your heart, how many of you know, that's salvation right there. We put such a mystery on what that is, and it's simply a surrendering to him as Lord, accepting Jesus as your Messiah. So that's the first surrender. Uh, but let me tell you, that's only the first, because the journey that God calls us on is a lifetime of surrender. Because there are things that come up. Our radio default gets all wacky. Uh, we're not really reflecting the Lord very well sometimes. And God is like, I got to push that button in your life. I, I got to tweak that button. I got I to gotta crank down your bass or your treble or whatever it is uh, because you're not really reflecting me. And so there's so many uh, points. I, I can't even number, number the times that I've had to say, okay, God, here I am again. Here I am again, surrendering to you. I love what this last scripture says. It says, God says, I will break the strength of the wicked, but I will increase the power of the godly. Do you know what the godly is? The godly are the, what, what makes you godly is your surrender to the Lord. Not living a perfect life because that's not impossible for any of us. But living a surrendered life. Okay, God, when I blow it, I'm allowing you. I surrender. I'm surrendering that to you. So today, we're just going to take a little bit of time. Uh, I've actually, I'm done early. So uh, we're going to take a little time. And I just want us to, as we sing this song, make it a prayer to the Lord. And it's called Make Room. We want to make room for the Lord in our life. And if the Lord is dealing with an area of your life that you need to surrender, uh, you can come up here on the altar. You can be right where you are. There's no magical spot, but I would just want to encourage us. Let's take a step of surrender today. Lord, what have you been dealing with me about? What have you been speaking to my heart? Where have I been resisting you? Because if you're like me, there's always somewhere. There's always something. I mean, if there's not something, that means you must be perfect or you're not listening to God, right? That's only two choices, right? Otherwise, God is constantly dealing with us. 
So let's just take a time of surrender.